0: When Raw ends, it's when it's time to begin.
1: It's on the Rewind a Raw with John Pollock and Waiting, The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind a Raw for Monday night. a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind a Raw for Monday night on USA. Now on the John and Waitang Mike. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I am John Pollock, along with waiting way how are you doing very well john how are you i'm doing fantastic i enjoyed our double date on sunday night you and i went out with (laughs) davy and his girlfriend the
0: g1 climax uh participant from this past summer. you know we didn't even speak to her about that but um yes yes i i and i wasn't exactly sure sure what you're even referring to but yeah it was nice it was really nice we went
1: to a comedy show downtown, and then we went to the world-famous Gabby's, where some lucky people in Toronto uh, can, can stop by and say hello to Davey. We went there. He was off the clock and still went back. That's that's how much he enjoys that
0: place. And you got to have their famous chicken sandwich. It looked it looked delightful. I always recommended the chicken sandwich, and it was very good. I don't know if it's Tokyo hot good, but but good nonetheless. And... I was repaid for Davy's debt. His O'Grady's debt. It was very kind of him. Well, I don't even know how many people are aware, but if, if you're a listener of Up Next, you'll know that... Um, Everyone listens to Up Next. Okay. Well, um, you'll know that... Basically, like what, like three weeks ago when we did our ride at O'Grady's, John was left with a bill that apparently you know, we thought a listener just like skipped out on. Turns out that listener was Davy Portman. I think I explained this on rewind to Raw,
1: and then I got to hear the so, the conclusion to the story on Up Next. And I think that was <laughs> 10 times better than any uh, Raw to SmackDown angle we have seen this year in terms of follow-up on the other show. That is
0: episodic storytelling. It was all a big misunderstanding. So uh, ultimately, like, you know, no fault on Davy, but I was surprised to learn that he hadn't paid you back yet all these weeks later. I mean in fairness I haven't seen him probably since then.
1: What do you mean we watched the AEW with him? Oh that's right. He did. He actually did give me money that night actually, which that's he really true. didn't need to. He did
0: chip in for the what did we order? Pizza? We got pizza. We got like yes. half price Domino's so we actually we we owe him now.
1: I actually think we we do kind of owe him. But um <laughs> yeah, none, nonetheless. Uh it was a fun time, I thought.
0: Always a good time. Yeah. Yes.
1: Well, we have a lot to discuss. Uh, quite a busy day in pro wrestling. A lot of news coming out of the weekend, but the uh, big story we should start off the top, and that is Anthem Sports and Entertainment. Uh, I'm going to pull up the the press release here. Buying a controlling interest in Access TV and HD Net Movies. This story, uh, it was first reported on by Joe Lanza at Voices of Wrestling all the way back at the beginning of the summer, and then it seemed like. I had heard from several people where it seemed like over the summer, this was pretty imminent that it was going to be happening. And then it seemed that things cooled down a bit. Uh, Last week in the observer, Dave Meltzer noting that they were, the talks were still very active between the two sides. And today we got the announcement and I'm just going to read some from the press release because there's a lot to digest here. Anthem sports and entertainment has announced. Oh wait, that's (laughs) sorry. I was reading my story here. I was like, I don't know if their press release would have been so uh, uh, forward as that. Um, Anyway, I've got it here. So Anthem Sports and Entertainment, a global multi-platform media company, today announced it has acquired a majority interest in HDNet LLC, parent of the widely distributed U.S. television networks, Access TV, and HDNet movies, and will assume operating management of the two popular channels that cater to music, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle audiences. I've always been curious. like, What is a lifestyle audience? Like, Do you partake in
0: living a style in your life? I mean, I think if you're alive, um, by default, you have a lifestyle.
1: I know everyone listening does not want my detours tonight. They just want us to get right to the meat of this. The deal also includes Access TV's extensive library of owned programming, including wrestling, MMA, and entertainment content. The two networks add significantly to Anthem's rapidly growing portfolio of content, which is currently available in 120 countries and includes diverse and popular sports and entertainment programming. Uh, goes on to add here: Mark Cuban and AEG will continue to participate as equity partners, and AEG Global Partnerships, uh, their advertising and sponsorship sales unit, will continue to support the channels in conjunction with Anthem Anthem Sales Team. Joining as an investor is entertainer, producer, and businessman Steve Harvey, who will also enter into a strategic agreement for content development and promotion of Anthem's portfolio of channels. Steve Harvey Global will have a seat on the board of directors of Anthem. And if you don't have your very first reality-based program, uh, it is the Anthem board of directors chaired by Steve Harvey.
0: Yeah, when I initially read it, I thought, okay, yeah. Steve Harvey, another guy with that name, but no, this was like this is Steve Harvey. this is like um These Miss Steve America Harvey. uh what was it what, what was a beauty pageant that he did yeah These he Steve read Harvey. the wrong winner yeah um uh incredible, certainly a curveball I didn't expect, but um uh, uh, makes the story even better, doesn't it uh anthem's board of uh, board of directors
1: will include Ted Goldthorpe head of BC Partners Credit, a lead financier on the acquisition, Rick Ehrman, a senior executive at Univision and NBC Universal, Robert Foster, founder and CEO of Capital Canada, Scott Honor, founding principal of Northern Pacific Group, and Loudon Owen, chairman and CEO of DLT Labs, who has had a, a long affiliation with uh, Anthem. Uh, so we bring up that. Uh, they specifically mentioned this Ted Goldthorpe uh, as being a lead financier on the acquisition. So I think that's important to note. Um, just overall thoughts, way This is an enormous purchase and very rare, too, that you have a Canadian-based company buying out an American network. I mean, that's that's pretty rare in and of itself.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, You know, I think when I initially heard the rumor, I like many people probably didn't think that it would be possible or didn't think it made any sense. Um, But again, I think knowing, you know, uh, Leonard Asper having worked for Leonard Asper, you and I, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people are looking at this asking, are they really buying a channel just to air impact? I don't think it's about that. I think Len his goal has always been to build his own media conglomerate, just like his father. and, uh, much of that in order to exist these days you really have to have a huge foothold in the, in the US um and this in that's why i think impact was a property that interested him and to me this is the next step for him uh in you know building that media conglomerate um with impact i guess just you know having a, a bit of a bonus now uh putting you know that whole uh search for a tv channel finally to rest seemingly but um yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. with with this news coming out this afternoon, I really hope that they hold some kind of conference call or press conference maybe to discuss further. And I think it's going to be everyone's question is what is the larger long-term strategy here? Because if we're just coming at it from the perspective of impact, it's really hard to make sense of this. Like that seems like the obvious uh, of all moves that impact moves to access, of course. You're going from the Pursuit Channel, which is around 30 million homes, into Access. It's not like it's this giant, it, It's this a positive step for Impact. You're now going from 30 million homes to over 50 million homes. But, I mean, still a far cry from what you're talking about with a USA Network or a TNT that are in 89, 90 million homes, respectively. You're also, like, what we talk about constantly is that the game right now for professional wrestling, for combat sports in general, is creating content that you can ultimately land enormous rights fees for and they're kind of taking impact away from that because now you are both the distributor and the supplier of that wrestling content so what the ultimate play here is like this obviously you have to undertake financing i'm sure whenever if a price ever comes out for this i'm sure it's enormous what your ultimate plan is to make that back off of Off the cable industry in the U.S. right now. I mean, this is uh, on access TV where, uh, to the best of my recollection, they still do not subscribe to Nielsen numbers. So that's like we're not going to hear ratings for this either. And what kind of advertising you can acquire through that. I mean, there's just many, many questions of what is the ultimate play. Because on the surface here, you think that this is an enormous – it it is. It's an enormous – Uh, step forward. I think the most ambitious step Anthem has ever taken.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Bigger than purchasing impact. I, um, I, I absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I feel like it's, yeah, it really remains to be seen. Honestly, like what, what I don't think we can really speculate on like what, what Leonard Asper's ultimate plans are to me. I think anybody's ultimate plans are to make money. And, um, I feel like this is probably, you know, um, the, the next step in, in how he intends on doing that.
1: Like our audience listening here, obviously they're focused on the wrestling aspect of this. What do you feel this means for impact and, and where do you put it?
0: Um, I've seen some suggestions online. I think Tuesday is a perfect time slot that doesn't seem to be, you know, um, uh talked about by any of the uh either aew or wwe at the moment everybody seems to be fighting over wednesdays meanwhile tuesday is a perfectly you know uh conditioned uh a time slot for wrestling audiences to spend two hours a week watching wrestling with and it's unaddressed right now i think it's a good spot in the middle of the week to try to get impact you know that that relevance again friday certainly i don't see them continuing or at least that to me it would make no sense. Um You're asking people like potentially if they were to air on Friday, let's say at 10 o'clock, like 10 to 12. Come on for brand new programming. Nobody's really keeping up with that. But way, that's
1: that's where they put them on their own channel
0: on pursuit. They put them on
1: Friday at 10. That was their own channel.
0: And I I look at the results like who's talking about impact. You know, Um, I think maybe at at some point you're really banking on VOD viewers or people that are PVRing. But you get that on Tuesday as well. And you'll get more discussion coming out of Tuesday as well throughout the week. So to me, that makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, I I think that they're going to have more attention than than most access programming. But I I look at access just as a vehicle to promote your product. And you don't hear much about women of wrestling. I mean, LFA is an MMA group that runs constantly like that's their block. Um, You know, it's a small company. I guess the biggest one is, is New Japan that you can say like there has been certainly a following of New Japan and you can kind of argue like has has the exposure on access significantly increased awareness of New Japan dovetailed off the success of New Japan world I mean certainly you you can argue that that access has definitely helped uh, for especially audiences seeking out uh, English commentary they also have New Japan up to date now and those are all interesting questions right now what becomes of the uh, of the ongoing uh, combat sports programming that's on access TV like you would think that Everything stays still, but what effect will that have? Everyone is aware of New Japan's kind of aversion to working with impact.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean, I imagine whatever contracts uh, exist will will continue. Um, But I, I also feel like if you're New Japan, this isn't exactly the same story. You know, even now, like, I think working with impact is very different from working with the same impact that, you know, created Okado. Uh, but we're talking about a television broadcaster now. So to me, it's a completely different story. I mean, I'm sure New Japan, whenever the deal is up, will be looking to see what other partners might be interested. Uh, but I, I wonder what that market is like for New Japan Pro Wrestling in the US.
1: Well, it'll... You know, it it seems, you know, from, from comments that uh, Harry Smith has made, that that is still a very fresh wound for New Japan, even all these years removed and several regimes later. Um, but... Now is an interesting time for New Japan. I mean, they are having some success going on their own to the U.S. Uh, What is the extent of the relationship with Ring of Honor at the moment? And strategically, uh, does it make sense to kind of kick the tires with Impact now that they are controlling your broadcast outlet in the U.S.? And it, it would seem like there is also a strategic gain for New Japan to get along with Impact Wrestling if they don't have other options. And maybe there is a chance to revisit things at this point because there is a
0: need to do, to do so. Certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, what, where, where do you see, do you see them continuing to package or do you see them packaging impact with new Japan pro wrestling and a block?
1: I would do that. I would want to have new Japan as a lead in for impact and do like your wrestling block. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you keep that on, on, um, well, right now, New Japan is airing on Saturdays, and they had just made that big move, and they have done significant improvements to their New Japan broadcast so that they have stuff that's pretty up-to-date very quickly. So uh, I don't know if they'd want to throw that up. I don't think Saturday night is a great night to be doing that when you have so much other combat sports competition, uh, for, specifically for mixed martial arts, but boxing as well. Uh, and Saturday is quickly becoming... AEW's night when they run pay-per-views, but I mean, there's going to be a pro and con to pretty much any night of the week that you run. You ultimately have to have a product that people are willing to go out of their way and see. And that Mm -hmm. is going to be the test for impact wrestling. Um, And Garrett Garrett Kidney just uh, wrote this great piece for voices of wrestling. And it's what you and I have talked about that being good is not good enough anymore. Impact three years ago was in a totally different space where if they lucked into a better TV deal, better better talent like they could have strived to be that alternative well now you're you're in a marketplace where AEW has TNT behind it and when it comes to advertisers to sponsors to talent AEW is now going to be i think most people's alternative to WWE where you might want to take your business and impact is just trying to squeeze in there and create an awareness for themselves and they are doing they are investing to the utmost degree to try and create that space for
0: themselves. Certainly, you know, um, but I, I think no matter how good the product is, the most important thing is that you have an avenue for people to at least see it. And so to me, I'm sure like if you're, if you're Anthem, you're telling Scott, the and Don Callis, Hey, do your best with this thing. Make sure it's good. We'll take care of the rest. And the rest is finding a home uh, with which to air these you know, uh, several hours of new pro wrestling programming every single week. Uh, and let's not, you know, um, maybe ignore the fact that with Anthem owning majority stake in this channel, they can air impact as much as they want. So they could air it on Tuesday. They could air it on Friday. It could, you know, ultimately just increase visibility for the product. I mean, you know, at that point still, how many people might watch it? That's that's another question. But they at least have full control of how often and where they want to air the show. Yeah, I I don't imagine it's it's not going to affect uh, Canadians
1: too much beyond whatever night of the week they switch it to because Access does have some penetration into Canada, but it is very minimal. It's, uh, I would imagine it's just going to be the same where you watch it on Fight Network and Game TV, which are the outlets now. Right. Um, they also mentioned that they are going to continue uh, to run these channels with Access TV. uh operating out of LA with uh, HD net movies out of Denver. And then of course they have their Toronto offices. And I mean, that that's another element to all of this way. Whenever you see um, these buyouts or companies coming together, there is a certain level of redundancy and you can, it, you, you have to look at, at that point too. Are there going to be cuts? Are there going to be what um, will there be people affected by this kind of thing? Like that's typically how, the, the current media landscape works is that one buys out another, or there's uh, a company
0: that is brought in and that's just the unfortunate outcome. A lot of times. Certainly. Yeah. It's, it's uh, cert- one of the, you know, terrible things about uh, many businesses right now, but especially the television industry. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you and I know that firsthand. So um, if, if that, if that were to happen to anybody, you know, um, it, it'd be too bad, but it's part of the game.
1: Yep. Um, any kind of other thoughts? Like it's it's just it's it's a major story, and I'm sure many people have a lot of questions. And it's going to be. I mean, how quickly do you think that they make this move to access TV? Do they? I think try Bound and- for
0: Glory is a perfect time. You know, mm-hmm. maybe even the week before Bound for Glory or a couple of weeks. Uh, I imagine a lot of people will probably, if they build it well enough, maybe at least give it Bound for Glory a chance. And I think that would be a perfect time to really you know get set for like a big relaunch
1: part of me thinks you you give it a few weeks to really promote the launch on access tv but i mean what is your vehicle for promotion at the moment it's it's minuscule right now so i i don't it's like getting to access if you have this pay-per-view october 20th you would think the the more time we have on access the better uh that more people in theory are watching our show to sell our pay-per-view mm-hmm. so you would want to i i think maybe expedite that process is quick as possible and you're also doing it at a time when wrestling fans are going to be changing their viewing habits very quickly with a lot of moves and additions of programming and now impact is trying to kind of wave their hand in the air and hey we've got this night and this move uh to look forward to because i I would not keep it fridays at at 10 Mm o'clock unless you are pitched on the idea that there's all these wrestling fans watching smackdown now on friday nights that you go at 10 o'clock and try to grab some of those people right afterwards, which they did try in the past when SmackDown was on Fridays.
0: Well, listen, I mean, depending on when they want to air this new, uh, this impact on, on, uh, access, uh, if they want to go with the Tuesday, there is an opening on October 1st that will no longer be taken up by SmackDown. Um, so maybe that's your launch.
1: Yeah.
0: So this is,
1: I will say this for for impact, like we have seen like the decline of television outlets. This is at least a a positive move for them in terms of just their visibility, because it's just been from Spike to Destination America to Pop to the Pursuit Channel, where I I don't think they've had less visibility at this point, at least in the U.S. They do have several international deals in the U.K., in India, in South Africa. But in terms of the domestic U.S., I would have to venture that they have – as little an audience now as they've had in the U S maybe since their launch when they were just strictly on pay-per-view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Though, like, you know, now that it's, and I think this was always the case, like when, you know, with, with impacts role with fight network, but you know, it, it also fulfills the role of simply creating content for your television station. So, so that, you know, Anthem doesn't have to go out and buy more other content from other promotions. Um, so in that sense, they save money, and I think it makes sense as an investment, continued investment. Um, but again, I can't really speak to to what, you know, business practices they, they have it really in mind.
1: Yeah, and hard to know when you don't know what the purchase price was. Like, what are we talking mm-hmm. about here that they have to ultimately make work over, you would think, like this is a long-term goal to make this a profitable venture for them, and that is obviously, uh, remains to be seen. But a big story coming out of... Uh, Not just the wrestling industry, but the television industry on Monday afternoon. A few other stories just to quickly go over. Um, AEW has announced they're going to Nashville, Tennessee on November the 13th, I believe, is the date. Yes, Wednesday, November the 13th at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. This was announced on Being the Elite. And we've sort of seen way kind of the... uh, the come down from mm-hmm. these immediate sellouts. Uh, we have seen, you know, TVs that are not instantly selling out and that included the first day for full gear. Uh, were you surprised? Not so much by the, the TV. We always knew that was going to come down to, to reality, but, um, the pay-per-view not selling out immediately either for Baltimore.
0: I, you know, after, after the TVs weren't selling out as quickly as I think the others, it wasn't as big of a surprise to me that full gear didn't sell out either. Um, I I, I do wonder, you know, how much maybe scalper speculation played into initial sellouts. Um, But at the same time, it's just I imagine just even audience audiences are kind of, you know, maybe realizing, hey, like these guys are probably going to be traveling everywhere. Uh, Maybe I just spent my money to travel to Chicago. I'm really in no rush to like, you know, travel or pay this amount of money again. Maybe people at this point are just waiting to see what the TV looks like before, you know, uh, wrestling comes to their town and. They get to see it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think a lot will now come down to you have the the initial burst of people that just want to be there. The second tickets go on sale and grab them, and we're seeing kind of what that, that baseline is now. And I think the rest is going to come with how is the how is the television received and how much of a new audience are you going to create? Because ultimately that's what the TV needs to do is grow that base and hopefully people tune in and they see – like a party scene or at least some kind of um, event that they want to be a part of. And it's going to encourage people to buy tickets. So I think a lot of it now comes down to uh, impressing people with the television once it, once it launches next month. Absolutely. Uh, How much of the rev pro story uh, did you follow over the weekend? This was um, brought up by referee Aaron wild, who was the referee for the Shaw Samuels, Josh Boda match against Aussie open. This was at summer sizzler a week ago, Friday and There was a screw-up with the finish, and then afterwards, it was this post-match attack on the referee, Wilde, who took a scoop slam from Shaw Samuels, and then we saw fan footage of Josh Bodum uh, attacking Wilde on the floor, and if you're watching this, you probably would have just thought like this was part of the show, and... Wilde went online over the weekend and explained that like, this was not part of the show, and he's been significantly injured. He has neck and shoulder problems to the extent that he doesn't know if he will ever referee again, and his main job as a football referee has also been affected by this, and it's led to uh, Josh Bodum, uh being let go by RevPro, uh, Shaw Samuels putting out a statement, and St- uh, apologizing for his actions but also stating that he tried to protect them with the scoop slam but it was unplanned and he did grab a non-wrestler um and did a did a physical spot with him and rev pro also putting out a pretty lengthy statement as well uh the, the footage does not look good it does not paint uh josh bodum in a positive light either i think with Shaw samuels it seems like there's a bit more of um i think people understanding his side here trying to improvise, but. And, also, the, and the
0: slam looked like it did. Look like he was protecting him. It looked way softer. Like the altercation that that Wild had with with uh, Bodem on on the floor w- looked a lot more intense.
1: Yes. So yeah. um, it th- that's that's largely where it is right now. But it's it's really unfortunate that this referee is is injured to the extent that it
0: it's going to affect this guy's ability to make a living for some time. Certainly, I, I think you know a pretty man a bit of a black mark on on the. On an otherwise, I would say, a very stellar weekend, uh, especially for British wrestling. But this Rev Pro show, I mean, without having seen it, like I feel like I've heard so much from it between like the the uh, David Starr Will Osprey finish to to this coming out. Um, it, it it it's it's a great chance to kind of reassess. Hey, like what's what's fair, you know? When you see Minoru Suzuki, like you know, um, uh, slamming all the young boys. Obviously, that's you know with their knowledge, but. How far does it extend that leeway? Does it extend to referees? Um, certainly, I think we've had we seen incidents where wrestlers uh, get into the faces of fans, maybe spit at fans, and that I think we've we've come to a consens- consensus is never right. But you know, at a, when it comes to referees, uh, where's the line drawn? And I think this was a, a good example to to show the wrestling world, hey, like this was wrong. You know, even if like the Shaw Samuels body slam looked fine. Um and didn't necessarily hurt the man. Uh, could have gone wrong, and certainly, you know, um, the incident after that uh was completely, completely um it, terrible. So uh, I think Red Pro did the right thing. However, uh, I don't know if you managed to see like Josh Bodum's Instagram story after the fact, um, where he said he's quit pro wrestling. Yeah, but with the screenshot, and again, like who knows, like where the screenshot, whether or not the screenshot's legit, but it looked like it might have been coming from Andy Q, uh, the the uh, person who runs Rep Pro. Yeah, siding with Josh and maybe saying something very different publicly. But anyway, the story continues, gets a little bit juicier, and I'm sure all the people who enjoy wrestling gossip uh, were having a great time on Twitter. Um, whether or not I, I, I you know. I feel like it, it hurts the reputation of Repro a lot. um. So I think they have a lot to, you know, do to regain the audience's trust again. Um, But I feel like the statement, at least, you know, at the time, felt sincere. And I think not booking Josh Bodom is the least they could do.
1: How would you feel had it just been the Shaw Samuels portion where it's a screwed up finish? He calls the audible, uh, but it's not involving a wrestler. Uh, And there is some kind of injury as well, whether you're trying to protect them or not. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think people have a very different, um, a different standard if it was a wrestler where, I mean, wrestling, there is a level of improvisation to it where I think wrestlers understand their role out there. Uh, The referee, though, is not necessarily expecting to do anything physical. And I think that that's a big
0: disclaimer. Sure, but, I mean, traditionally, like, referees have gotten physical, I would say, I think in most cases, don't you think? Um, But obviously...
1: Planned spots or unplanned spots. Planned spots
0: and unplanned spots. Well, that's, I think, the the, the gray area. Uh, But I think after this, you know, we we need to maybe come to a consensus that, hey, like... maybe if if you're planning on i don't know i'm not a wrestler i'm not a promoter i can't necessarily say for myself it's unfortunate somebody got injured at the same time this is a physical business um and i i again i certainly don't condone like complete like hard shots uh out of anger that that to me is never right yeah and i think that
1: it's also i think it's also notable that um this referee Aaron Wild Actually spoke up and addressed it uh, because I think many in his position i mean granted he's got these serious injuries um but I mean wrestling doesn't necessarily um shy or give people a, a great outlet to speak openly about stuff that happens that you're just kind of taught to brush it aside and and move on and it mm-hmm. looks like rev pro they want to have some kind of system in place where you can actually um i i would imagine confidentially um let the promotion know if an incident occurs that you can contact them, uh, hopefully in confidence, because I think that's a big part of it, that some people, uh, they might want uh, a certain culture change or just certain guys that maybe take liberties or are not even unaware of kind of what they do uh, to be able to bring that to people's attention. So it doesn't continue and you don't have guys that are unsuspecting that are suddenly brought into
0: physical situations when they're not expecting that in a match. For sure, you know—is it a case where, like, you tell all your referees, "Hey, like, this could happen. Be ready for it," or is it a case where everything should be checked off beforehand, and you know everybody made sure that they they know what's coming? It's it's a bigger discussion I think wrestlers should have.
1: Uh, final thing here, I just want to talk a bit about Cain Velasquez. He was on Ariel Helwani's show on Monday. And talking about his future in MMA and pro wrestling, he is doing the AAA show that Impact is actually presenting this Sunday at the Hulu Theater. Um, Very bizarre show in how it's been. Do you realize that show was announced the week of WrestleMania? Mm -hmm. And here we are. We've got, I think, like half a
0: card announced. And it just seems like
1: what a a poorly promoted show it's been.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that was already the case even like... The moment that they announced it, you know, typically I, 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 I would have expect a bit more buzz coming out of like something a wrestling thing announced at the, at MSG, uh, certainly coming off of, you know, that particular weekend this year. Uh, but continuing, continuing after that, I, I hadn't really heard a thing about it other than the fact that it was moved. So, um, yeah. Uh, have you heard well, anything about ticket sales or anything like that? Um, just that they're available and they moved
1: to the Hulu theater. So it's a much smaller venue to fill, but I would be very, uh, unless they get some enormous walk up on Sunday. Um, I I think they're really just banking on the idea of, you know, fans that maybe want to see Lucha Libre or Cain Velasquez has some kind of um, draw to him for those in the New York area. But among wrestling fans, I think it's really tough. You're running against a WWE pay-per-view. The WWE has just run two nights at Madison square garden and, People might – if you went to one of the shows tonight or tomorrow night, maybe you don't want to come back for wrestling on on Sunday. But um, he has stated he's doing this Sunday's show and then he's doing the October 13th show at the Forum in Inglewood, California. Uh, His contract that he negotiated with the UFC, he has three fights left. And he was allowed the provision in his contract to do AAA, but only AAA. So it's not as though he has uh, an open – ability to just take dates with other wrestling companies but he seems to really be into this it seems that he is very much wanting to pursue wrestling uh beyond AAA, a and did also state that he does plan to fight again he's he is not stepping away from mma but he's been really enlightened to the world of pro wrestling through his advocate mark ramondi who <laughs> in this interview he said mark has told me what to watch and oh he's given God. me kind of Kind wow. of the lay of the land of the, the companies that are out there and it's like Is he going to be as Paul Heyman? I was imagining... like that's obviously the match to make. And if we get Mark <laughs> Ramondi and Paul Heyman in opposite corners, like it was really kinda it was set up here, uh on on aerial show today. Wow, very interesting. Um Yeah. Th- the man the man who goes unnamed on Raw
0: when uh, his article is being cited by Michael Cole. Oh, that's too bad. I don't I see no reason to well, anyway, whatever. NXT though they they will mention his name won't they or I a- would hope so Yeah uh yeah. yeah I mean I'm sure you know uh, he seems to have a genuine interest you know I think initially when I and I heard when I heard Kane was going to train wrestling to me I saw it as little more than you know somebody looking for a leverage point when they rene- renegotiate their next MMA deal uh through you know a WWE offer or an AEW offer now but it seems like watching him perform And hearing him talk about it like he seems to have a genuine love of and a genuine like personal attachment to lucha libra specifically so i'm 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 really excited to see like especially at the rate that he's growing like in a year from now if he really dedicated himself to wrestling what kind of wrestler he would turn into the fact that you know um they specify that only triple a is allowed is interesting to me because it tells me that at least like you know in conversations with 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 dana like does dana know what triple a is you know did he have to like explain hey this is like what, are they
1: gonna come fix my car I mean...
0: <laughs> yes that's right you're gonna wrestle for like <laughs> for these guys anyway but like, yeah yeah whatever they're running msg now are they doing a con- uh, auto convention or something <laughs> but like you probably have to explain hey like this is not going to be competition this is not vince mcmahon like any success i have here will be no threat to you um that conversation i'm, I'm kind of curious about but I I hope Kane does more wrestling. Um, you know, you can you can tell me John how how much longer do you think he he's got a career in in MMA left? But uh as soon as he makes that full-time like jump to pro wrestling, I'm I'm so so excited to see more of him. Oh, just hearing
1: him in this interview, like I I've, I've seen a million Kane Velasquez interviews. I've never heard him feel so or sound so lively than when mm. he was talking about pro wrestling and growing up following lucha libre, like not just Uh, WWF or stuff like he he would he would go across the border to Mexico to go see wrestling with his family and he talked about the scene at Triple Mania where his 10-year-old daughter was in tears just just loving this and man the affinity that Cain Velasquez has like this is certainly something that is uh, a passion project for this guy beyond just something that he's doing as a kind of bucket list item or or for some financial gain because this guy really doesn't need it. It's obvious he has a real affinity for this. So uh, this Saturday, this Sunday, it's it's him, Brian Cage, and Psycho Clown taking on Tejano Jr., uh, Black Taurus, and Ray Escorpion, who in the press release was identified as the Scorpion King, which mm. might have boosted ticket sales if they could have locked that guy down for a six-man tag with oh, Cain Velasquez God. on short notice. Maybe the CGI Scorpion King. Uh, very possible. The maybe, really maybe. bad
0: CGI Scorpion King.
1: Yes, Uh, the cards also got a rematch from Triple Mania with a Blue Demon Jr. and Dr. Wagner Jr. LAX versus Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., which should be really great. Um, And uh, Tessa Blanchard versus Taya Valkyrie as well. And probably a bunch of other undercard matches that will be announced, I would hope, by Sunday. All right, cool. So Anyway, I'd like to watch this show, but I, I really don't know if I'll be able to. It's a very busy weekend. And this is head-to-head with Clash of Champions. So, uh, looking ahead to our site, this coming week, we have lots of shows coming your way. Tuesday night, Wayne and I will be back for Rewind to SmackDown with Night 2 at Madison Square Garden. Wednesday night, it's the Double Shot with reviews of episodes 7 and 8 of Glow Season 3. That will be out for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Then on Thursday, it's the Cafe Hangout at 3 o'clock Eastern. Jimmy Corderas is joining us. And we're going to give you more than sixty seconds with Jimmy Corderas. We're gonna get the full unfiltered Jimmy Corderas with a ref and rant, maybe.
0: Yeah, you're referring to Jimmy's like Facebook videos, is that yes. right? Yes, this guy is the most
1: consistent uh, follow in pro wrestling media right now. This guy drops a video every single morning without fail, with a coffee too. You know, he's with a coffee, he's consistent. got a million
0: coffee mugs, a million yeah. shirts. He never seems to have the same one twice. Well, we welcome him to our cafe. We'll see how he likes uh, ah. Arbru. But, um, yeah, looking forward to talking to Jimmy, maybe a bit more about this Red Pro situation, but also to help us uh, preview Clash of Champions coming up.
1: A Thursday as well, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman will be back. I'll find out if uh, Davey has somehow swindled more money out of me. Friday, we've got Rewind Away with a review of the Royal Rumble from 2017. We're going back two and a half years to review this show, as uh, selected by Joshua Martin and it's a, a special it's a- guest
0: yeah yeah, I was gonna say you know, it's a very recent review, but I think it also might as well be a very uh it's it's special in another way, John, and that's because this coming uh Friday's coming Friday will be the 10 year anniversary of you and I recording our very first review away from our past life. So uh in celebration of this monumentous uh rewind away. The Archivist has been counting down his top 10 favorite review aways of all time, uh, dating back to what would have been like 2009, of course. Yeah, so I think so. Uh, I he, think he was a day oneer. He's been counting uh, these down not only on uh, Twitter, at archive underscore uh, way. Is that is that is that how you do it? Let me see. Archive. Uh, archive underscore a underscore way. God, why, why did they name me that? Uh, And then uh, also on forum.postwrestling.com, he's been counting them uh, all down with uh, complete with quotes right now just to catch everybody up. Number 10, WCW Uncensored 95. Number 9, the WWE Original CD Review with uh, the r Truth Rap Contest that you and I once did. Uh, Number 7, Clash of Champions 13 with you and Jordan Breen. And he's even got a Jordan Breen dude count. 105 times, everybody number 6 monday night raw viagra on a pole from july 31st 2000 and number 5 thus far queen of the ring which was our third anniversary show an anniversary uh tradition that we've uh discontinued
1: yes i think uh we we grew out of that phase yeah. Well, I look forward to finding out what uh, the Archivist's uh, top five are over the next couple of days. And number one will be revealed on Friday's Rewind Away show, which will be out for patrons uh, Friday morning. So check that out. As well, from this past weekend, uh, we had several shows out, including a UFC 242 post show with Phil. How
0: crystal clear did that sound, Way Sounded great. As, like did your sh- was... as did your show with WH. Oh, well, thank you. Sounded yes, really good. Yes, that is
1: out as well. Uh, myself and WH... Um, many, many F-bombs from WH that he warned everyone ahead of time, but it wouldn't be a show with WH without a few, uh, fucks dropped in there.
0: Uh, certainly. And how much of it about, about, uh, clothing?
1: Some of it. Some of it. Yeah. We've actually discussed maybe doing like a year end segment with WH where he's going to go through the best and worst dressed of the year. Nikos Rico's. Uh, that, have you listened to the show? That's I his have. pick right now for the worst. I yes. know.
0: Yeah, oh, okay. Hard to beat uh, that one.
1: Well, it is time to move on to Raw. A- any uh, final notes before we uh, transition to Raw? None. Let's get to this. All right. Postwrestling.com. Always go there. Just live there. Just hit refresh. S- Madison Square Garden, the first Raw in what, a decade that's been here, I believe. The show starts, Austin's music hits, and he comes out to one of the loudest reactions I have heard on Raw. This entire year, maybe in several years, this was this was like a peak Austin reaction.
0: This thing was huge. I feel like it's been so long since I've heard like a peak Austin reaction. So I can't necessarily say whether or not it was that. But uh, absolutely, it was probably like the loudest of of the entire evening. Um, If you, you know, match by maybe other parts of this show as well. But uh, it was a combination of Steve Austin, of course, but this also being the very first thing. Uh, that that this New York uh, crowd saw at least on on Raw proper, and they were pretty hot, like hot at, at this point.
1: Yeah, worth noting, of course, tonight the return of Monday Night Football, and it was a double header so they had football competition from start to finish on Raw between the two games. So Austin comes out, and the contract setup is all there, which kind of makes the pop even more impressive that they had to set this up, and everyone knew Austin was starting the show, and they still reacted so loudly. He comes out and he said, someone told him, it's been over 20 years since I've been to the Garden. And I think that Steve Austin needs his own archivist because he would know (laughs) that uh, WrestleMania 20, where he was the enforcer for Goldberg
0: Lesnar, 15 years. Yeah, and like has Raw not, like did Raw not run at MSG? I, I was
1: trying to remember if he's been to the Garden since, but he's at least been there in 2004. So I don't know if he's had a, a stopover since i mean maybe yeah. it's possible they they do so few uh uh episodes from msg or pay-per-views that i guess it's possible that you know you're not bringing out austin for house shows or anything right yeah but at least oh four so whatever uh he goes on he talks about wrestling brett hart at the survivor series in 96 stunning vince mcmahon in 97 and then getting knocked out during his match with the undertaker at SummerSlam. And he t- he's totally out on a limb, guessing 1998, and he nailed it. And I just wrote down that this guy is at another
0: level, promo-wise. 100%. And, and Oh, my God. I mean, I feel like I really do hesitate to even call these promos, because it just seems to flow so naturally out of him. Um,
1: That's what a promo should be. It shouldn't yeah. be some like recitation of like words. Like, it should be a person communicating that gains uh, some emotional reaction from people. These guys could have listened to Austin talk for an hour in this ring. He was just great here. Braun Strowman comes out first. He has a stare down with Austin that gets the crowd chanting for Austin. Then Rollins is out next. And Rollins joked about the what chance. He told Braun no one is stabbing anyone in the back. And he said, I'm the best wrestler on the planet. And this drew a lot of boos from people. And drew some CM, Roll- CM Punk chants. Yeah, um, I was uh, I was trying to listen if there would be any more chants. I I don't know if CM Punk is claiming to be the best wrestler on the planet right now. Not now, no. Rollins signs the contract. Braun talks about growing up, watching Austin, and he likes being tag champions, but he will love being the Universal Champion. And he's about to open a can of whoop-ass, and Austin just had to keel over howling at this guy doing his catchphrase, and then Braun signs as well. This prompts the OC to come out, and AJ busts out his Steve Austin impression. And he asks if people care anymore about Austin, and just yells at them to shut up as they're giving him the what treatment. And he tells Austin, stay out of my business. So the audience is going nonstop with their what chants. And Styles just says, this is why no one likes coming to New York. So then they start chanting asshole at him, which prompts Austin to say, I don't know how good your hearing is, but you have 18,000 people, very generous with the attendance, calling you an asshole. And no censoring of this, nor was Styles' response where he called Steve an asshole. Have they censored asshole in the past? Oh, yeah. Dude, they really? were censoring asshole, like, at the peak of the Attitude Era. It was very rare an asshole would get through. All right.
0: Uh, <laughs> thanks.
1: You know what also got through? Called him an old fart.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that one made it past the censors. Uh, my ears. Well. Oh, God. No. Uh, tremendous crowd reaction. I thought, uh, like like we've talked about, Steve Austin is really still uh, sharp as ever, I feel, on a different level Completely from anybody else in the business, I would say right now. So uh, I thought what impressed me, too, was that he managed to, like, also weave in all the proper terms he had to say. Never screwed up between, like, the Universal Champion and any other champion, um, you know, had to, like... Had clearly some lines where he had to introduce this contract signing. and didn't mess mess that up at all. And like, he made it, like, his life's mission that
1: he was going to get these two to sign this fucking contract. That's why I'm here. And he kept reiterating, you've got to sign the contract.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, unfortunately, seeing, like, Seth Rollins come out and attempt to, like, his, his own what promo or, like, trying to match, like, even any of the personality that you just got so naturally from Steve Austin didn't make Rollins to me come across that great but I to this audience I guess I don't I wonder what this audience really thought of Rollins as well clearly like him saying he's the best in the planet um this audience did not like so AJ however I thought was hilarious awesome you know him coming out doing this Austin impression that was like you know equal parts terrible but also like hilarious Austin looked genuinely amused at it uh, I I've really been entertained with like this AJ like goofy dad like lead heel character for the oc so i think he's been great
1: it ends with um soccer mom chance for aj and then rollins and braun attack the oc there's a curb stomp that misses rollins gets pulled to the floor styles is just gloating he doesn't see austin behind him and they just milk this with his back to austin everyone knows what's coming he turns around takes the stunner place goes nuts and an Austin drinks beer and leaves. I thought this opening eighteen minutes was tremendous. I thought it was great i will I will point in the the Rollins part like he didn't bother me with his part, but it is also worth noting like this guy is in the role of the Steve Austin, like mm-hmm. he is supposed to be your number one baby face, and you know it's when you're in there with an Austin, you can see the the giant divide between
0: one and the other but i thought this was a great segment i thought this was a really great start to the show i thought it all came across really well you know again um i thought aj did a great job took that stunner nicely so i i'd never complain like when you know uh when we talk about like oh like current guy has to look foolish against the, the legend if it's steve austin giving people stunners i i personally never have a problem with it
1: I, I didn't mind it either. T- tonight, to me, was a great night for AJ Styles. I, I thought he really kind of, um, yeah, it was just, uh, I thought, a really strong use of Steve Austin and AJ kind of got to stand up to him and I didn't Sent, think it was any. Set the crowd home happy. Th- absolutely. Yeah. Then they plugged The
0: Undertaker for tomorrow night. I don't know how he's going to follow this. Oh, you've never seen The Undertaker, like, lead a contract signing? Maybe he's going to find that there was a spelling mistake on the contract and he's going to enforce um, the underwriter improve
1: penmanship. So we come back from break. AJ still selling the stunner, stunner when Cedric Alexander comes out for their non-title match. And Alexander's is beating up. AJ hands bring Insuguri on hero to the floor styles and cuts him off in the ring to send them to commercial comes back Alexander with a Michinoku driver for a two count and then he's setting up for a springboard when he gets knocked down by Gallows and Anderson and the bell rings for the DQ. Cue the Viking Raiders. They lay out all three members of the OC. Uh, The audience got into their double-team offense, and they hit the Viking experience to Carl, and then they stood tall with Cedric Alexander to end the segment, uh, but would not be
0: the end of their night. No, no, really just kind of like forced, teased uh, what was the Cub later in the main event. I thought all this was really hot with this New York audience.
1: This was a great crowd throughout the night. I I talked to one friend who was there who said it. Th- they said on this show like ten thousand times it was sold out. I don't know if it was or not, but it did sound like it was pretty. It looked pretty full I- inside. So Man,
0: I imagine like that was a point they probably really wanted to get across. You know, especially well, this year. Uh, th-
1: I the fact they said it so many times, whether it was a sellout or not, that's what I was expecting them to trumpet throughout the show, even if it wasn't. Um We'll find out Bailey and Sasha are backstage and they're back together. They said there's no stronger connection than them. And then they cut to Becky uh, staring a goddamn hole through Charlotte flair in the locker room uh, to get set for our four horsewomen tag match. That is coming up. Bray Wyatt announces a new firefly funhouse later tonight. And then he did the Rascals sign
0: with his hand under his chin. Oh, okay. Um, what was that guy's name? Um, the rascal sign, the little rascal sign, you mean? Well, the little rascals,
1: but then the TNA rascals—that that's like their. Oh, okay, that okay. They do. Gotcha. Yes. Then Roman Reigns came out, um, and this was like non-wrestling related. He talked about it was almost a year ago that he announced his leukemia and had to step away, and he brought out kids from New York and New Jersey, and. It was very odd, Uh, not the segment, but the fact that he had to emphasize that all these kids are from New York and New Jersey, almost like a preemptive measure, like, please do not even fathom booing anybody. Man, I really can't imagine, like... Even like I can't either, but like they, crowd he went out of that, his way but. to say,
0: yeah, and these kids are all local. They're all from New
1: York could and New it, Jersey.
0: Could it be more just like, you know, an added touch to to make sure they gave him a really big reaction?
1: Well, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I guess they didn't want a lukewarm reaction, so right. maybe... Uh, anyway, they brought out uh, these five kids all under their wrestling personas, and they got a nice standing ovation from uh, the crowd in New York. A very nice segment, and... Yeah. You know, Roman in uh, very good in this kind of uh, role as, a speaker.
0: Uh, you know, you can certainly see how serious Roman Reigns takes this role. Um, and I obviously can't think of a better person to be a spokesperson. I mean, these segments all of a sudden feel that much more meaningful. Not that they weren't before, but the fact that it's Roman Reigns doing it, somebody who's lived through this recently. You you certainly, you know, pay attention a lot more and you feel like this is not just a spokesperson. This is somebody who truly, truly cares.
1: Absolutely. I totally echo those those thoughts. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. Uh, they fought on the floor at the beginning. Sasha took a Beck's bloater, and then Charlotte cleared them with a chair in the ring. Uh, we come back from the break, and Michael Cole mentions an interesting article on ESPN interviewing the Four Horsewomen. <laughs> an interesting yeah. article mm-hmm. by an interesting man, the advocate Mark Ramondi. Uh, if you missed it, I linked to it in my update, but he spoke with all four women and did kind of a, an oral history of the four of them and starting in NXT together, uh, talking about when uh, Sasha and Charlotte, the first time they locked up and uh, just instantly believing like they had really good chemistry together. They got the heat on Becky until Charlotte got the tag. Uh, there's a boot that sends Bailey off the apron. Uh, and then Sasha did the La Mystica to set up the bank statement. Flair then rolls out of the bank statement to apply the figure eight. And then Becky stops Bailey, but then Bailey crashes Becky into Charlotte to break up the submission, uh, which was a save they did uh, later on with Rollins and Braun as well. The, the tackle the teammates into one another spot. They double team Charlotte after the break. Uh, eventually, the hot tag is made to Becky, who really got into her comeback. And Renee yells, If you want to get something done, ask a busy woman to do it. And there was this silence, and then Corey Graves said, What does that mean? And Renee said, It makes sense. Does it make sense, If you want to some- get something done, ask a busy woman to do it. I would say inherently you're taking a risk that this busy woman probably doesn't have time to get yet another task completed. And why aren't you doing it?
0: The belief, I suppose, is that... Uh- a busy, a busy woman, woman can prioritize and... Get well, a busy woman is not lazy, I suppose. They're, they're not a slacker, and therefore... But you're right, too. I think the the other logic um, is, is, is fair as well. Like, if they're already so busy, how could they?
1: But if I'm the one asking, I mean, that kind of makes me the lazy one, right? Like, hey, I know you're super busy. Can you also do this? Sure. Disarmor gets stopped by the backstabber. Then Charlotte went for a big boot uh, that the Statue of Liberty came in between the target and did not come anywhere close to hitting Sasha. Then we got a double missile dropkick from Becky, leg drop to Bailey from Becky, and then uh, Charlotte climbed to the top for her top rope moonsault, and man, the landing was awful on this thing. Uh, This was like rare, like back-to-back kind of misfires by Charlotte.
0: Yeah, um, I've never the, seen her land the moonsault so poorly. Even the baseball slide after this, I I'm not sure if she was aiming for something or not, but for this moonsault, it looked like she, she was kind of doing a landing on her feet. and
1: Yeah, a bit yeah I I thought Charlotte, like, this was not one of her smoother outings at mm-hmm. all. Um, the disarmor is applied to Banks on the floor. Bailey breaks that up. Charlotte takes a German on the floor, so all four women are down. Bailey goes for the elbow onto the knees of Flair... Then Sasha gets knocked off the apron to the floor. Bailey goes for a roll up. Sasha, or um, er, sorry, Sasha doesn't get. Uh, sorry, Sasha's on the floor. Bailey goes for the roll up, and Charlotte kicks out and then hits the natural selection. Um, it was kind of reminiscent of the natural selection onto the edge of the apron from their Royal Rumble 2017 match. I thought where Charlotte also pinned Bailey, which was the finisher.
0: Well, thank you for that callback to this week's uh, rewind away match. But made me think of that. You know, uh, this was a really long match, and I'm not necessarily complaining because I feel like this was a match that deserved to be given the star power. And to me, like, it was almost monumental to see this match, but I don't think it was really promoted um, to be that big of a deal. You know what I mean? They like, only announced it Friday, and then maybe that was, you know, kind of the the problem. Like, how much promotion can you really do uh, when, when you're announcing it, maybe in it, such short notice, but... I I I will say, despite the length, I felt it kind of struggled to stand out for most of its duration. Technically, I I largely felt it was fine, except for like you know several bad spots from Charlotte. But there were really no moments in this match to me for a viewer to really sink their teeth into.
1: Yeah, a little chaotic at times. Charlotte was off uh, several points that we brought up. Um, the match was fine. I didn't think it was it was bad. Um, but the audience did get into it. I think that they. I think a by lot of end. that, uh, by the end, they got into it. I think the star power helped of just the the visual of having these four all together in a ring as well. They recapped the contract signing from earlier, and then the OC were interviewed by Sarah Schreiber. They run this place. And then Rudin Ziegler showed up and said, you should enlist us to help run the place because we have common enemies. And they said, yeah, that makes sense. Rey Mysterio versus Grand Metalik, a match that people had... Very high expectations for and I don't know I, why, but no.
0: Well I, I understand. I understand. Well, you always like most Cole. were expecting will this get two minutes or less. I certainly wasn't. I mean I I, I half expected this to just be a squash, but I, I was pleasantly surprised when it wasn't. No, they did they did do a match.
1: Uh Ray used a head scissors to go for the six one nine early and Meta league ducked, and then Metal League got dumped to the floor uh, Ray went for his sliding splash but had to roll through on it and ate a super kick. And then uh, Metalik set up a swanton off the middle rope over the top. And he went to do this like spectacular move right as they were going to the split screen for the replay of the the previous super kick. So yeah, anyway, you did get to see it. And then they showed the replay of this where this swanton, it... Ray takes this move and like his neck just twists and then Metalik like lands on top of him. Uh, Didn't look like a fun landing to be Rey Mysterio underneath this. Uh, They continued anyway. Uh, Metalik hit a springboard swanton into the ring for a two count. Seated senton and reverse crossbody were delivered by Ray. And then Metalik hit this... Great-looking Snap Rana off the top for a two-count. Ray hit a Sunset Bomb for a two. And then Head Scissors, 619, Top Rope Splash. Ray Mysterio wins in 624. Uh, I really enjoyed the match. This was, you know, for Grand League, these are
0: very few and far between that he has had, sadly. I thought for a WWE TV match, I thought it was very good, especially considering, you know, this was Grand League, somebody who we... I don't even know the last time I might have seen him on. Like, I don't know if he's ever had a singles match on Raw. You know, so uh the fact that I think they let these two go uh and actually seem to like use this as a bit of a showcase for Grand leak i I thought that was great i I don't know if it quite lived up to you know expectations perhaps I saw online of like oh what what's this potential dream match between Re Mysterio and uh mascara dorado is gonna gonna look like I don't know if it looked like that but it, there was no way they were putting grand metal leak out there for 12 minutes. So th- this to me exceeded my expectations
1: because I didn't even think they'd get this long, but
0: even beyond the length, I felt it was good. I just, I wasn't really, I don't know. Like I don't see Vince McMahon watching this and seeing grand metal leak. I got to give him a bigger push based off of this. I, 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 at least I didn't feel that way watching it, but you know, it, it, it's still like pleasantly surprised that we got a good match on, on raw. And this whole episode, I would say, uh, of Rod MSG, it seemed like they were giving priority to, like, longer quality TV matches. I bet Vince McMahon loved
1: this. You think so? Oh, yeah. Okay. God damn. That's that's the, the impetus behind this signing. This is Mascara Dorada. That's what I wanted here. Beautiful transitions. God damn it.
0: I wonder. I
1: wonder. Uh, They promote tonight 10-man tag with Rollins, Braun, Cedric Alexander, and the Viking Raiders against the O.C., Ziggler, and Robert Bobby Roode coming up in the main event. Street Profits were backstage. I am officially over these. Um, They just promoted that the 10-man tag is bigger than New York City. Then they went over the King of the Ring three-way. Then they went through the Clash of Champions card, and then they threw to a video package.
0: Yeah, they're I mean, I'm 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 I've, I was kind of over them like a, a few weeks ago. Nonetheless, like it's good TV exposure for them. Um whenever they finally do make their debuts whether it be on Raw or on NXT, I think they'll their stock continues to rise simply because of, you know, their appearance on on national television. Um are you do you feel like they sh- they should maybe change it up a little?
1: I just think it's it's not a whole lot you got to work with. It's like, okay, tee up the rest of the show. Mhm. Um, Their delivery is great. I just think they, it's like you know, we've got a two-minute segment for what we usually use graphics to promote in thirty seconds Mm -hmm. or less. Yeah,
0: Um, I'm I'm ready. It just seems
1: like it's very, it's just very stuck in like first gear of what these guys are can
0: do. It's like not a whole lot of great material here. I'm more than ready to see these guys move on, like with a proper storyline or with matches or or just like cutting regular wrestler promos. Um, so we'll see like I wonder if they're in, in a sort of holding pattern right now because they're, they're still keyed as NXT talent so yeah I wonder
1: Samoa Joe Baron Corbin and Ricochet in the semifinals of the king of the ring uh, Ricochet used his uh, his flying early on with Baron Corbin and there were let's go Corbin Corbin sucks chance
0: it's totally surprising to me um Man. The guy is the guy's growing on people. I, I, I really do wonder how much of it is based off of these recent uh, appearances um, in the King of the Ring, where I think, again, he's looked way better than he has in the past. Is this is this the audience recognizing that, or are they just trying to be contrarians?
1: I think this guy, his, his ultimate goal should be to become a great base for the Cruiserweights. I think yeah. it's a great role. Like, this guy, it brings out the best in him. He's gotten... Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is showing he is showing improvements, and that is that is very clear. And this match I thought was, you know, evident in in that in that regard. Um Suicide Dive was delivered to Joe, then Ricochet gets right back in. Fosbury flopped to Baron to set up the commercial. Ricochet was great in this match. Um he got knocked into the post during the commercial break, and then we see Joe hit a tope suicida onto Baron. Then Joe goes for the running boot and he misses. This is maybe maybe the running boot is a, a become a lot more difficult. Or maybe they should just shouldn't shoot
0: shoot it like the way they, they should. They have
1: it, it at the bet the worst angle when you're right behind the guy taking it, where man, if if you pull up short, you are absolutely gonna see that as the viewer.
0: You know, it was never an issue in the past. I feel like we've had close ups of plenty of uh big boots or running boots, but today was maybe a bad day. Uh there was a power slam by Joe to Ricochet for a two count. They teased the Tower
1: of Doom spot. Ricochet then, roundhouse kick. That landed solid uh, on Joe Corbin, then lands a boot to ricochet and he hits this power bomb, flips up ricochet into this giant rotation into the deep six. That was a great sequence. Looked very cool. Yeah. Joe then pulls Baron out, applies the Coquina clutch and holds him down on the floor. And as he's got the submission applied, ricochet breaks it up with a shooting star press as the announcers ask, why would he do that? And, Then Joe is allowed to get up. He applies the Coquina Clutch onto Ricochet. Ricochet kicks off the corner, hits the recoil, then climbs to the top, hits the 630, but Corbin comes back from the dead, yanks out Ricochet, and steals the pin to pin Samoa Joe.
0: Barron's going to the
1: finals on Sunday. Yeah. uh, surprised, John? You know what? By the end of it, I wasn't because I... I feel that they're going to go
0: and we're going to get Chad Gable and Baron Corbin in the finals to start off. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't, I would not have predicted this. Have, no. Yeah, neither. And I wouldn't have predicted the other two on the other side. Uh, certainly with it looking like it's, it's going to be Chad Gable too. So, um, they're, you know, but by the end of this tournament, I have to say, I'm not really mad because if we're seeing this type of Baron Corbin, I'm actually really, really curious to see what type of match he will have with, with Chad Gable. Um, Ultimately, these these uh, um, tournaments are should be to elevate talent that's already there, or uh, to expose people to brand new talent. And let's let's hope that it'll be for Chad Gable, because man, that's gotta be weird though. Like King Gable. Um, I I, I would say know.
1: like like I'm I'm fine with doing
0: Gable Corbin, but man, if
1: you're asking me, it's not even a question that to have seen Ricochet and Gable get 15 minutes on pay per view. I think they would just would have tore it up on Sunday for sure. But, but you're, you're right. going with yeah. this story of Corbin. I understand what they're doing and, and we'll, we'll see how it works. Like, you know, Gable, uh, Gable, Corbin's fine too.
0: Do you, uh, d- to me, it maybe like- Corbin's winning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't laugh at that. Cause I think it's a very real possibility. Um, I think they're both very real possibilities. Did Joe look like hurt to you at all? Like in this match? I saw like trainers checking on him afterwards. I assume he's he's okay, but oh, I did I, I didn't notice some scary looking spots. You know, I'm hoping uh, some of those... especially like the the uh, shooting star press off the apron onto like Samoa Joe, yeah, because yeah, he was underneath that to yeah. kind of have to take that. So um,
1: it- uh, hopefully he was okay. I'll try and find out. Lacey Evans and Natalia uh, was after that. Natalia is very aggressive with Lacey, attacking her knee. Uh, we got CM Punk chance here. Uh, She had a discus clothesline. The sharpshooter gets stopped. And then Evans uses the ring skirt to kind of suffocate Natalia. And then Lacey comes back, misses the moonsault off the top. And a discus clothesline gets stopped with a kick to the ribs by Evans. She pulls out the deadly handkerchief, drops it onto Natalia, who then gets her foot up, kicking Evans out of the corner. See,
0: why would she do that? That was like her secret weapon last week. Uh, Well, it didn't
1: have much effect here because it just forced Natalia to power up. Kicked her, sharpshooter, and
0: Evans tapped at five minutes, fifty-fifty, right? I, I personally don't really get the point of like um, the booking, first of all, but also, I mean, it was a very aggressively, aggressively wrestled match, like it was last week. I actually thought it was a good match, considering who, uh, you know, again, Lacey Evans. Uh, I think she and Natalia have good chemistry. However, this is a feud that nobody cares about. It's a match that I don't. It belongs on main event. And to put it out here in the third hour of Raw and MSG, I think you're only asking for a poor reaction. So I I, I, I thought these two had a lot to, to work against.
1: I don't know how much you follow main event, but it has become the the funniest running joke that yeah. it's like every week it's Sarah Logan versus Dana Brooke. Like, it's just got to be a joke. They've had seven matches, point, I believe, so far. <laughs> it's insane. It's yeah. insane. Um, then they showed footage of uh, of uh, Ennis Cantor, the former New York Knicks, He now plays with the Celtics. Um, I guess this guy must have been in a rush because I'm surprised they didn't do this on Raw itself. Instead, it was done before the show where R-Truth came out. Cantor pinned
0: him to win the 24-7 title and then lost it back to R-Truth. Okay, okay, okay. Wait. He pinned R-Truth, then like unzipped his sweatshirt, revealing his Celtics jersey. Which yeah. got him booed and and then truth pinned him, and then the audience cheered, so anytime they can get like celebrities or athletes from other sports to like play wrestler, especially play heel, I always get a kick out of it, so watching this highlight i I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't even know who this dude is. I mean he's just he's a well known basketball player. I'm sure this is this will probably get some some
1: coverage tomorrow, I would think, um, but yeah, I just I thought, do this on raw and maybe. Maybe he had uh, prior obligations that he couldn't stick around for Raw. Firefly Funhouse, it started off with Bray almost doing a Santino Morella voice, and then Rambling Rabbit starts yelling, Stranger Danger, and they think that it's Steve Austin who is showing up at the Firefly Funhouse. The clock is set at 3.16, forcing Bray to hammer the clock, and then he explains that strangers are just friends that you haven't met yet, and friends are not going to help where Rollins and Braun are going. And friends forgive, but the Fiend never forgets.
0: The clock, uh, when he hammered it, it turned into, from 316. 1119, oh, right? 1119, yeah. So it's, it's you know, the next Easter egg in, in these Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt segments. And I really like it. It just encourages the audience to engage in a way that's, that's fun and not off-putting or forced. Uh, thus far, I mean, a lot of people have speculated, could it be a Bible verse? But the leading kind of theory, I feel, suggests that people think November 19th, 1990 was the debut of The Undertaker. So could we be getting a Bray Wyatt-Undertaker interaction oh, wow. at some point? Tomorrow. That's really cool. I, I love stuff like that. I love it too. Uh, You know, I think from what we've seen of Bray Wyatt uh, tweeting, he was trying to do things like this. Uh, as part of his old character, like, but God, like who the, he overthought it, way overthought it, and then like, even then like, telling people like, a year after, hey, I put in a bunch of secret messages there, and then like, even like, after decoding the secret messages, it's it was still completely vague and ambiguous, so I think they need to dumb it down a bit, if this is all it was, um, like a nice visual gag, 1119, what could that mean, oh, Undertaker's debut, I think that works way better, like, you know it's like you kind of have to maybe put the difficulty on on maybe a beginner's level rather than yeah extremely hard
1: i I'm amazed that people like put that together with like the undertaker i mean that's that's kind of asking a lot, so yeah, I'm on the fan base for realizing that maybe that's an angle they shoot Tuesday night, although it seems kind of cluttered like where you're getting him ready for this Rollins brawn winner. Um, But it could be
0: something long-term, too. You could tease something. Just some interaction, perhaps, yeah. Well, or maybe it could be something completely different. You know, a lot of people are thinking it's, like, various Bible verses, but, I mean, any you can lift most Bible verses and make it sound like it might have something to do with a wrestler or a wrestling angle. And so I'd, I feel like that would be a little too vague. Do you know, what's the, the Bible verse, do you know? There are a number of them. Uh, one of um, them's, like, uh, for instance, Jeremiah 1119, but I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised plots against me. Saying, let it like, it sounds like an Alistair, any Alistair Black promo, right? Um. Anyway, I feel like with with the level that they're operating at, I think it'll be something a bit more obvious. Uh, most likely,
1: yeah. Well, anyway, I, I always like those it's little fun. things where, yeah, yeah, like little like brain teasers and, and, that have a payoff at the end of it. Like there, there's a reason to uh, pay attention to stuff like that, because if you notice it, you get your reward, uh, at the end. It's not just done for no reason. Mm -hmm. Main event, 10 man tag Rollins, Braun, Cedric, Viking Raiders against the OC Ziggler, and rude. They quickly escalate to a all out brawl with the 10 of them. Crowd is chanting. Yowie. Wowie. They're doing the wave. Uh, Rollins comes in springboard knee Falcon arrow to Anderson. Then Ivar comes in, eats a phenomenal forearm. Uh, Braun did his shoulder tackles going all over the place, hit the power slam to Anderson, but then rude and Ziegler knocked Rollins onto him, uh, forcing Braun to get upset at Seth. And they argued, uh, later Rollins hit the buckle bomb to Ziegler rolled tag Braun. He runs into the post. At least we've got one shoulders uh, post spot on the show. Eric then tags in, uh, Ivar hit this scary somersault coming off the top to the floor where it almost looked like he was going to lose his balance, but hit it looked okay. Alexander's left in the ring with AJ and the phenomenal form gets blocked and he hits the lumbar check and pins AJ Styles and they, they are racing here. We don't even get Cedric's music. It's instant. Austin's music hits. He comes out and has a big beer bash with the baby faces and goes off the air with five of them drinking beer
0: with austin um yeah this is not a, a typical austin strut down the ring this was like strutting halfway and then realizing oh shit we got like what uh 90 seconds left and then st- yes. running the rest of the way catching as many beers as he can and just yeah. opening them as everybody waits in line to to cheers with steve austin um the match i i thought maybe i thought was good but like i thought it's like uh, a fun kind of house show main event you know what i mean where yeah.
1: everyone got their spots the crowd was into it and I think you got, uh, you you got a notable finish at the end. I, mm-hmm. I wish like there was at least a minute to just digest the significance of Cedric pinning AJ. Right. But they also got a lot here by getting kind of the the Austin, Austin. treatment at the end. Yeah. So I mean, it's um, hard to complain.
0: I thought it was really a, a good showcase for for uh, Cedric, of course, but also the Viking Raiders who. They look great in this. Yeah, have had nothing uh up until this point except jobber matches, but being in the main event of an MSG Raw uh and getting the showcase some like very impressive like uh, physicality and athleticism I thought was great for them. So to me it felt like this was at least like sort of the side um you know aim of this segment was to, to introduce the, your audience to those guys. And yeah, the Austin thing seems to send seemed to send the crowd home happy.
1: I, th- I thought
0: it was, like, a good ending to the show. I thought this was a really good episode of Raw. I enjoyed this show quite a lot. I thought so, too. Uh, you know, um, I don't know if it was, like, man, a perfect, like, attitude era level of Raw. I don't know if that's even achievable these days. But as far as, like, you know, a three-hour viewing that felt like it had a lot of, like, attention put into it. Good matches, big matches, uh, anticipated matches. I-, I felt like they did a great job.
1: So that was Raw. Uh, Night one at Madison Square Garden, They'll return on Tuesday night for SmackDown. Uh, I'm assuming like that finish was done to set up AJ and Cedric Alexander for the pay-per-view, unless they're going to hold off on it till. I mean, you have a quick turnaround to another pay-per-view. You don't have to go to the match this Sunday. They could hold off on it, but seemed like
0: they're going that direction. Seemed like it too. Um, Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see them doing that.
1: Tonight's show, uh let me ask you this. Have you looked at the result? Because you always have. Not yet. Do you think this hits eight?
0: No. I don't think so. No, okay. I'm guessing, I don't think they're ever that nice, especially for three hour raws. I'm guessing well, seven. Seven something. Seven point five eight. Okay. So and we
1: don't round up. Paul from New Jersey. Fantastic way to start the show off. No messing around. Austin had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Braun and Seth sounded good, but the MVP was AJ Styles. The guy made an already good segment great. Really solid wrestling on the show. Firefly Funhouse was superb, and a Baron Corbin, uh, Corbin Sucks chant. New York is truly a magical city. Street profits are very entertaining. 8.5, I want a demonic remix of Bailey's theme, but I guess you can't have it all.
0: That was the other thing. They kept Bailey's entrance with the inflatable buddies and everything. No real kind of, like, difference, I would say, in her, like, as a part of a a heel uh, character. So maybe something, maybe it's just, like, they're sticking with, like, Bailey thinking that she's kind of delusional, but, like, not being completely heel.
1: No. The middle fingers might take some time in the props department
0: to sure. design. Yeah, We go to Jalen from Pickering who says, Good Raw, probably the best of the year. The Four Horsewomen and King of the Ring delivered. I don't know who thought the main, the 10-man main event, the 10-man match should main event, but I appreciate the continuity with bringing the Raiders into the mix. I really dislike how they ended the show. They let Cedric's, Cedric's win sink in for about zero seconds. I get it's stone cold, but he already appeared. The beer drinking could have easily been a dark segment. For fucks or wait fu- okay firefly funhouse firefly funhouse ffh everybody firefly- i don't think that's something that needs to be uh abbreviated firefly funhouse is good as usual fun fact about the ffh 1119 is the date of takers debut so that's a good foreshadowing yeah jay from colorado fantastic show all around nothing
1: about the austin segment felt forced and i love that they started the show with it It started things off on a high note and i feel the crowd was pretty high on everything most of the night Women's 4-Way was one of the best television matches I have ever seen. These four women know how to work together, and even though we've seen it before, I can't wait to see more. Mysterio vs. Grand Metalik. I, that's some high praise for that. One of the greatest TV matches he's ever seen. F- fair enough.
0: Objective,
1: uh, I guess so. Yes. Uh, Mysterio Grand Gran Metalik was good, but I wish they would have had more time. They're arguably two of the best luchadors on the roster, along with Andrade, and they could have put on a hell of a show. Corbin's going to win the tournament. This was my thought at the beginning of the tournament, and I dreaded it. But honestly, it doesn't even upset me anymore. I honestly have been enjoying his work lately. I really hope it's Gable, but King Shorty G sounds like it could do more damage to his push than
0: good. I really do feel like it'll be Corbin. I don't think they'll they'll put the King of the Ring on Shorty G, like now that you remind, reminded me of what his gimmick is. I think the story will be that, like, he'll, oh, he, he this this short guy, he made it to the finals, and he almost won, but To me, Corbin seems like a more safe bet. All right, we got a Brandon from New Jersey who says, Hello, is it me you were looking for? Hey, guys, been a minute. How are you? Enough with the pleasantries, because I can't reply anywho. Man, that first hour of, of Raw was stuff like a gordita crunch from a bodega in Jackson Heights. They wanted, and The Fiend, a hot rating to own the libs, and they delivered. All right. Meanderings. Uh the fans going to Fighting Spirit are going to be disappointed when they see that the rock and roll what the rock and rolls look like compared to their publicity photo that New Japan Pro Wrestling put out. Okay.
1: Did- okay, thanks Brandon. Um we're going to yeah. move on. MJ not at the Garden tonight. Miss going to this live since I had to work, okay? Uh Cedric has had two moments in main events in as many months and he just gets treated like a jobber at the end anyway. I disagree. I, I thought Cedric came off fine in this in this segment. Um, Bray is killing it. Fully expect and need him to take out Taker tomorrow. They have a past. It would be a great way to heat him up for Hell in a Cell. And they can do a match at Parts Unknown, uh, Middle East, on Halloween of all days. You know, setting up Bray and Undertaker at the Saudi Arabia show is very plausible. God. He Man. lays out The Undertaker tomorrow, and that's your out for Hell in a Cell, where Undertaker gets his revenge, taking out Bray, and then sets up the Saudi Arabia show at the end of October. Because you do not want to beat The Fiend. You also don't want to put the title on him right now. I could very well see that happening. Yeah, that's a good theory. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'm going all in now on that. Uh, four horsewomen should culminate in a fatal four-way in The Cell. They all looked. They all looked to work real hard tonight. Viking Raiders look great in a more featured role, and paired with the OC, I liked it for both teams. Um, oh, he brings up a good point here. I wanted to talk about this in the news, and I uh, I skipped over it. So WWE put out information for uh, travel packages for the Royal Rumble, which is next January in Houston. And interestingly, absent from the list of events was Takeover, and WWE has confirmed that there is not going to be a Takeover royal rumble weekend instead they're going to run the toyota center in houston and run a, a world's collide event and then sunday night they're running a minute maid park in houston for the royal rumble but
0: um at least for january not uh piggybacking with a takeover i find it really fascinating to me it suggests that they will uh hold takeovers uh outside i mean this is probably for a variety of reasons and i wonder if like lackluster performance of the weekend in toronto had anything to do with a decision or if it was something maybe they a decision they made outside of it or maybe a bit of everything but beyond that i think takeovers i imagine will might might potentially be a very strategic weapon that they use to perhaps play around with counter programming uh or just you know try to space out the the weeks so that audiences have something to look forward to if somebody's what's, going to what's all this this weapon way they've said they're they're gonna put on the most, comp- <laughs> they're gonna put on the best show possible well, That's it. okay fine That's it. whatever but let's say you know you're 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 a wwe network subscriber you already have a hook with your wwe pay-per-views maybe you space out the takeovers for another weekend so that you you keep those people on either at the beginning of the month or at the end of the month
1: do you have confidence at nxt well you know with with the you know they are going to grow their audience being on usa that they can run big buildings on a weekend by
0: themselves without having a big show you know it remains to be seen how often the, they'll be doing uh, takeovers too i mean if they keep them special and fresh enough uh depending on the market i i i can see them doing it i mean they already have uh but really it depends on the quality of the show and quality of the card i think and where so many factors yeah, that's going to be uh
1: interesting to see. And also, I mean, if they continue this uh, WrestleMania weekend, that would at least um, settle what you do with the Hall of Fame because right now it's right. SmackDown Friday night. Saturday had been TakeOver night. What do you do with the Hall of Fame next year? Although I would say of those events, I would have no issue of trying to fill a building for TakeOver. Hall of Fame is a much bigger ask now when you have so many
0: options. For sure. Yeah, I agree. So- yeah, and let's also, like, remember, like, the, maybe they'll be doing more Worlds Collide tournaments, like, every one of these big four weekends. Um, It's another chance to showcase your UK talent, your 205 talent, and really just, you know, create more, 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 more hours of content for that network. Yeah, it'll be interesting if they go live with those instead of just taping right. them for future release. We got a Sandy from LA who says, me and my boyfriend are in New York for the week, and since tickets were fairly cheap at $50, we decided to go to Raw. Due to our seat being obstructed, our seats were upgraded. It wasn't a bad Raw. Crowd was checked out during the main event and did the wave at one point, but woke up when Austin came back out at the end, which makes sense since half of them were wearing Austin shirts. Mysterio vs. Grand Metalik was my match of the night. I wish we had seen more women than the Four Horsewomen and Lacey Evans, and I felt bad for Cedric Alexander since the crowd was dead for him most of the evening.
1: Man, a polarizing night for Cedric Alexander, I guess.
0: It's true, though, like, I mean, especially when they came back from commercial break and he was like, you know, um, taking the beating from from uh, whoever was like there was no sympathy for him. That's when they were doing the wave. Um, it, I think he's still very much a work in progress. And you could see, like it was since Paul Heyman at least took in charge, took charge. It's it's been him. It's been like the street profits. It's been Viking Raiders now. So they, they seem committed to him at least.
1: All right. I've always read the, the, my final point of the night. The I've never taken the wave to be like a, a negative thing. Like whenever I've been at a baseball game or something and the wave breaks out, it's just like a fun thing to do. It's not yeah. really an, a, a revolt against what's in front of you. In wrestling, I believe it is, especially like on Raw. Like we only see I, it think, I think that's the- how people take it. But I don't know if the people participating necessarily are like turning on something
0: by doing the wave. Well, let's just say they weren't doing the wave during the Austin segment. I don't think they would have. And I think if the match was really hot, I don't think they would have either. To me, it seems more like, especially recently, it's more of a uh, a, a form of protest It's saying hello to the people at home. It's literally called "The Wave.
1: <laughs> sure. That's... All right, that's going to wrap it up. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. Lots packed into this edition of Rewind to Raw," and 24 hours from now, we'll do it all over again with rewind to Smackdown. and way, it's our weekly giveaway on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, that's right, and uh, I wanted to give a special shout-out if you're listening to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash postwrestling. uh, Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, but also please try to look for us if you want on uh, iTunes, Spotify. That's where you'll get all of our shows and not just Raw and SmackDown. YouTube.com slash post-wrestling. Search for post-wrestling
1: wherever you download your podcast. And the real final thing, a congratulations to Marcus Vanderberg and his yes. lovely wife. Uh, they just gave birth to their child, Asher. And we wanted to congratulate Marcus on the the addition to the world at large. Congrats, you too! Absolutely. All right. And we'll find out if Marcus listened to the end of the
0: show or not. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. And we'll speak with you Tuesday night.